everybody. Welcome to this week's roundup. This weekend is Retro World Expo in Hartford, Connecticut. I am really fired up to go. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. Looking forward to doing that panel with Tito. And also, Steve from RetroTech said he's going to come up and rebuild a 14L5 on the booth and maybe even do some more CRT work with some of the crazy stuff I'm going to be passing off to him. So I think that's hilarious. So anybody that's around, definitely come say hi. I love doing these things. Retro World is my favorite expo, and I'm just I'm very fired up for the weekend. But let's jump right in and see what's been going on first up io 8-bit dough an apology when i first wrote that post about the retro receiver for the playstation 1 and 2 i had praised their products i had said this one's probably going to be pretty good but i came down on them pretty hard for saying it was a lag-free product and i also said in that post if they change their marketing i will completely rewrite the post and i will only leave the whole lag-free thing as an aside both in the post and on the weekly podcast and then I forgot to check the day of the podcast when I was recording it, but it looks like 8BitDo did remove lag-free from their marketing because it's just a false statement. So I I might have screwed up last week. Maybe they changed, they just happened to change it when I was done recording, but before it went live, or maybe they changed it a couple days after I uh, put that tweet out and I just forgot to check. I honestly don't remember, but thank you very much to 8BitDo for listening to us. I am genuinely and honestly sorry for not doing this as quick as I said I would. And I just wanted to take the time to mention it again. Mention it again. Um, if you were interested in this, it is up for sale on Amazon and uh, through directly through their website again. I believe it's supposed to ship in about a week or two. Uh, so these things sold out pretty quick, which is obviously a testament to their products. And you know, I just wanted to say once again, you know, it's companies and people will always make mistakes. We're human. That's what happens. But. It's how you handle those mistakes that you should be judged by. And if you make the same ones over and over again, of course. But uh, honestly, had nothing but high fives to 8BitDo for this. They did the right thing. They fixed their marketing. And I'm going to continue to talk about their products, including... And speaking of 8BitDo, Scarlet Sprites just posted a pretty deep dive review of their Neo Geo CD style wireless and wired controller. And overall, Joe seemed to like it a lot. The D-pad, which is probably one of the most important things about any controller, but especially this one, felt uh, felt like it should. It had that clickiness to it. It felt like the original. And also some people had some concerns that, hey, maybe those trigger buttons wouldn't feel right because the original Neo Geo CD controller didn't have them. But Joe said they felt kind of natural overall. And really the main complaint that he had was about the font and the plus and minus uh, writing on the front of the controller, which is... Kind of hilarious that he obsessed about that. I actually agree with every word that he said, but it's not something that would bother me that much. I I do agree, and I love attention to detail. So, you know, well, of course I'm going to tease because it's me. Um, You know, I love when people do deep dive stuff like this. Uh, But if that's Joe's biggest concern, then I think that's a real positive. Um, I got mine. It's still sealed in the box. But now, because of this review, I'm very, very much looking forward to opening this and trying it with a mister. And it is in stock right now for the $35 price. When I first talked about it a couple months ago, I accidentally had said $25. It's $35 and $40 for the special editions. And it looks like those are in stock as well. So if you were waiting for reviews to come out before buying one, definitely grab them, especially the special editions right now. Uh, The link is right in the description if anybody wants it. And it also looks like latency was good, but we definitely have to talk about that for a minute. So it looks like right after Joe's video was posted, somebody had updated the Mr. Add-ons latency database with some lag test results on this controller. 
And there's, it's all good, but one thing's a little weird. So first of all, if you're using its 2.4 gig RF wireless mode, then you have a really awesome average latency of about 4.5 milliseconds, which is great. Pro gamers wouldn't even have that affect them in almost every case, unless, of course, they brought their wireless controller to an area with tons of wireless interference, and then it would actually be more latency. But, you know, in the same test environment, that's really fast. That's awesome, and that's something that I would be very comfortable playing on without ever worrying about added latency. But some more good news, it's Bluetooth mode is less than 10 milliseconds of latency, which puts it in the top 20 fastest controllers Mr. Add-on's latency sheet has tested. Out of the 70 controllers, I think it was like 18th fastest for Bluetooth, which is pretty good. Bluetooth for a long time was known as being kind of a laggy protocol, a laggy way to connect controllers. And the fact that it's under 10 milliseconds is awesome. So while I, of course, would always go with whatever is the lowest latency solution, it's good to know that if you're using this with a Bluetooth system, then you don't have to worry. It's not going to be laggy. There might be faster ways, but I certainly wouldn't call that laggy. The one very strange thing about these results, though, is the wired mode. So plugged in via USB into that Mr. Test Kit showed 6.15 milliseconds of latency, which is still good. It's still less than half a frame, but it's also more than the 2.4 gig wireless. So I got to speculate a little bit here. Um, it could be, and please keep in mind, this is BS. This is speculation. This is me just talking to try to explain this when I don't actually know what happened. But it could be something like 8-bit dough in order to get those low latency numbers on the wireless had to use a USB chipset that didn't support fast polling or something, which is why... Up to, I think 10 of their other controllers was one millisecond or less of latency in wired mode. So maybe that's it. Maybe in order to get the lower, lower wireless numbers, they had to kind of lose out on the wired side, which I would argue is the correct way to go about doing this because I think most people would use this in wireless mode. Or maybe whoever did the lag test readings made a mistake, and I am not throwing shade. Anybody who watches my live streams knows I make tons and tons of mistakes. Uh, everybody makes mistakes. So I just think it would be very cool if more people who had that Mr. Test Kit uh, and bought this controller would be able to do the test results. I should be doing another stream with Lewis at some point in the next couple of weeks to test a bunch of stuff. And if uh, if no one has retested it since then to confirm, I definitely will just because I'm really curious about that. So I'm not really sure what the deal is. Maybe it's a test mistake. Maybe it's a deliberate decision. But I do strongly think that this is one of the many reasons why controller companies should be completely transparent about their latency. Because if they had published these numbers themselves, and we're honest, like, hey, we have a controlled office without much wireless interference. Here's the best case scenario using a Mr. FPGA that we use for testing. It should be funny because I don't think I don't think Chris allows them to even talk about the Mr. Project. But point being, <laughs> if they would just said that, and if I'm if my complete BS guess was correct and they were like hey here's our test results wired usb is a little higher because that's what we had to do to get the wireless down i think people would be applauding them so i think transparency and stuff like that is really going to just help companies and even if they don't even test for wire or for lag and they just guessed and this is what happened if you're 8-bit dope don't you want to brag about this don't you want to have lag test numbers that are people will be 
people will be talking about as much as the lag-free comment, but in a positive way. So hopefully they're still listening, and hopefully they would take that feedback. Um, and if they want, you know, reach out. I could, uh, I could show them what they need to make themselves their own little test kit, so they could have the same results. And I have no worries about companies fudging their own results because the moment those controllers hit consumers, we're going to test them ourselves. And if the numbers are wildly different, that's something we're going to talk about. So I don't know, hopefully fingers crossed that companies start to listen, but overall, I think this is, this looks awesome. And I'm really, really excited to try this out with some Neo Geo games on my mister. Retro Gamer Store has just opened pre-orders for a transparent red version of their NES shell. They're available from Stone Age Gamer, Rondo Products, or direct right from Retro Gamer Store, and they should ship in late October of this year. And I think the reason, I'm just guessing here, but I think the reason Retro Gamer Store is able to do multiple colors of this existing shell so easily is because once they have that original minimum order quantity in, they're able to then just make much smaller runs for the same price. So that's a great time to remind everybody, if you wanted a Genesis 2 clear shell, please, please pre-order it now, because if they don't get enough orders by September, they have to cancel and refund everybody. And I think a lot of people wanted that shell made. So maybe, if possible, consider that. Uh, you know, if you were on the fence, maybe just bite the bullet. But either way, all of these are still available either in stock or for pre-order. Check all of the links in the post. And the red one looks awesome. I did that live stream a while back with Russ Lyman where we went through and really kind of dug in and did a deep analysis of the different colors and which one we liked better and, you know, what color combinations you might want to mix up with this stuff. So I just, I love that there's choices and I love these cases. They're always such high quality, especially compared to some of the, the cheap knockoffs that I've seen floating around. These are so much better. And I know I have to say this every time I talk about them, but they're not cheap, but they're not overpriced. You get what you pay for. And it is perfectly fine if you think, it's too much money for me. I don't, you know, I don't have the budget for that uh, to spend on that when the, the console might not have cost that much. That's a fair statement, but it is not a ripoff. These things reflect the uh, everything fair that you could imagine on what it takes to start out making them to get them to you. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of them. I talk about them all the time and I'm just looking forward to seeing which ones they come up with next. Next up, Consoles for You is now an official European distributor of the HD15 to SCART adapter. And this is the small little device that allows you to do things like use VGA from Dreamcast or whatever on the RetroTank 5X, or do things like take any D-sub connector that outputs RGBS, so Mr. Uh, analog DAC, any of that stuff, and it allows you to easily interface it with a SCART connector. This is not some kind of scalar or signal converter. The RGB signals just pass directly through. This either slightly lowers the sync on RGBS signals to be safe for SCART devices, or if you flick the switch, will enable a sync combiner to do RGB HV to RGBS. So I think one of the number one uses for it would be the RetroTank 5X, or I guess if you have um, a multi-sync monitor and you have a SCART input, or I don't know, there's a ton of different use cases for it. Uh, definitely check out the video I did if you're interested. Um, this was designed by Tian Fong based off of an XNOR circuit that Steve from HD Retrovision had posted a while back. Um, and it's just one of the many fun little devices T came up with. The SCART coupler is another huge favorite of mine. I put the video embedded in that just in case. Uh, there's a bunch of links to stuff that you might 
think is relevant when you scroll through. But yep, if you are in Europe and you wanted one of those, grab it now. And I also think consoles for you just got some retro tinks in stock as well. So if you're in Europe and you wanted the Tink 5X and this, now you got them both from the same store. I should probably update the links in here to add that. And just a very polite reminder, just because other scalers are coming out doesn't mean your current scalers are going to change. If you currently own an OSSC or a Tink 5X, they're not going to be any less amazing once the Retro Tink 4K comes out. They're going to be the same awesome scalers for a lot less price than, uh, than the newer ones coming out. So, you know, if you're on the fence and you know you don't need anything going to 4K or 1080p 120, picking up a Tink 5X is totally fine. It's, you know, it's an amazing scaler. It does everything that you would need except VGA until now. You just grab one of these and you could put VGA right into it. So definitely have a look at this thing and uh, see if you were interested. But I have links to both Europe and US sellers and... Uh, this thing has just been such a massive, massive help for me. So hopefully, and I think other people as well. So hopefully if, you know, if you wanted one of these or if you just wanted a great tool in your toolbox, you'll pick one up. Next up, Darksoft CPS-1 Multi is now in stock at multiple stores. So if you were waiting to get one of these, now is probably the time to pick it up. Uh, some background on this and some more explanation as to what this is. But this is a board that you could install into a CPS-1 arcade kit that will allow you to load up all of the CPS-1 and CPS-1.5 games on that system. So... For lack of a better description, it's essentially like a ROM cart for the Capcom Play System 1 arcade so that allows you to have one arcade board with all of the games on it. That's oversimplifying all the work Darksoft did, but it's still a very easy way to visualize it. And this even plays the one CPS 1.5 games that have the Q sound chip on it. All of the ones from this batch, and I think all the ones going forward, have an FPGA programmed with Hotego's DSP-16 code. So this is technically hardware emulation of the Q sound chip, but it should sound identical to the original, and it would be a great fit for different people's setups. The developer Infidelity has just updated their NES to SNES patch of DuckTales to have CD quality audio MSU1 support. And the latest patch has all of the same stuff as before, including all of those additions like the one button in order to do the pogo jump and the ability to scroll between different color palettes. All of that's still there, but now you just also get CD quality soundtracks if you want. It's my personal opinion that I love the original soundtrack and I thought it came out great in this conversion, but who knows? Maybe there's a MSU one version of this floating around that'll have music that I'll love. Point is, choices are for everybody. You can pick whichever your ears prefer. And I love, I absolutely love this work. And a very, very quick rundown. Please check out another podcast I did, Roundup number 361 at the 12 minute mark, if you want a deep dive as to why anybody would want an NES to SNES conversion. But the short, short version is it eliminates slowdown, reduces sprite flicker, and allows for SNES only additions like adding an extra button to do things like the pogo jump, multiple color palettes, outputting an RGB without a mod, and of course, things like MSU1 audio. So thanks very much. Uh, I hope the developer continues to do these things. And respectfully, if you want them to continue to do these conversions, so, uh, subscribe to their Patreon if possible and you know let them know what the next game you want is. I'm sure there's no way they're going to get to all of them, but hey, you know, uh, with with all respect, money talks. If enough people sign up and say do 
Metroid next, then, you know, I'm sure that's going to sway their decision quite a bit. So, uh, you know, just nothing but positivity here. I, I would love to see the developer get more support. I'd love to see more games get ported. And I'd love to see what the modding community could do to these after they've been ported, especially that Metroid one. I'd love to see menus and tons of upgrades and stuff that the community's already worked on. But I wonder how much cooler it could be on an SNES. Developer Victor Lushitz has just updated Doom Resurrection to version 3.0. Doom Resurrection is, you could call it a patch that you apply to the original 32X version of Doom, but calling it a patch is like calling the sun hot. It's not really fair. It's almost a full remake of the 32X version of Doom. And this version 3.0 adds a bunch of stuff that people mostly thought were going to be impossible. Things like the Sega CD PCM speed boost support that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, or maybe even last week, uh, that was that Vic came up with was implemented into this, as well as a whole bunch of stuff like um, reintroduction of the Cyber Demon and Spider Mastermind bosses that most people never would have thought would fit into a 30 X, 32X game, but there were tons of optimizations and stuff. And there is introduction of MIP mapping for walls and flats. Uh, overall, this is just, not only is it a fun version of the game, but this is like the perfect example of what could be done on, or could have been done on the 32X. And just Sega's R&D wasn't behind it because they were already kind of going on to the Saturn. But seeing what could have been on the 32X is absolutely remarkable. And it's really cool that people keep kind of, finding different things to do and different ways to improve it. So if you are, if you have the ability to run ROMs on your 32X, definitely give this one a try, especially if you have a Sega CD installed as well. That way you can get the extra speed implementations in there. And I still think it would be really neat to have a, a 32X CD core on the Mr. I would never ask a Mr. Dev to do that because that's a lot of work for six games. But, you know, technically speaking, this could be a 32X cartridge and CD game because of how the way that it works. So if there were, if there was ever a reason to implement that Mr. Core, this would be it. You know, not Slam City with Scotty Pippen, but, uh, you know, no, no disrespect. I'm sure somebody likes that game, but it's not a good game at all. I'd rather play uh, Supreme Warrior or something, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think that would probably be the easiest way for people to experience this and see what could have been, but I don't think that's on anybody's roadmap. So uh, if you have original hardware, definitely try this out. And thanks to Vic for always doing these updates. And of course, thanks to Maddie B for writing this post because it's always really nice to have a post written in a way that even I could understand it because I'm not a programmer and sometimes this stuff goes over my head, but this made it very clear and easy to understand. So if you want more details, please check out Matt's post about this because there's lots of good stuff. Uh, if you're a fan of the 32X, I think you'd enjoy reading through that. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm going to skim through these, and if anything piques your interest, please go and check out Lou's video where he shows visual examples of this stuff and has a lot more details. Starting us out, Sorge is now porting the Nuked MD Genesis FPGA core to the Mister, and that's a cycle-accurate Mega Drive core with the goal of emulating the Mega Drive chipset as accurately as possible using decapped chip photos. So I have to just say, the, the core that's currently available on the Mister for the Genesis is absolutely awesome, but this is the type of stuff that, as a nerd, I love to see. I, I really appreciate when people go about things like, well, 
good enough isn't good enough for me. I know I can make it a little bit better. Even though nobody else on the planet might notice, I enjoy going that extra step and doing it. And I appreciate stuff that like that so much. I don't always do that, but I do try to be that person very often. And it's awesome to see that groups of people are continuing to try this. And it's obviously I'm not surprised at all to see Sorge want to implement that kind of goal for perfection into the Mr. Project. So that's very cool. Um, also, Track 17 posted that Pramod's Narkcore will still soon be released and also showed some footage of a Mortal Kombat Test Your Might screen. So this is getting exciting. We might have MK sometime in October on the Mister. So that's, uh, I'm trying to temper my excitement here, but if that's the case, MK party at my house. Uh, next up, uh, CD audio support was added to the AO486 and Amiga cores, which is crucial for any of those games that have CD audio on for music on those games. So that's very cool. This is definitely wanting to make me go back and retry that 486 core. So I'll have to go back and see what other ones are floating around, what people have pre-installed, because I think that's pretty awesome. Next, with Furtex permission, Hotego has released an alternate version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles core. It's for a beta for Patreon subscribers, and there's so much about this that I love. First of all, this is all open source stuff, and it's games that are recreations of originals. So Hotego didn't have to ask Furtech anything, and I don't think Furtech would have minded, but it just shows the respect between two awesome developers. Like, hey, I know you're already working on this core. You mind if I try my own version of it? Like, I, I love to see stuff like that. It's never, you know, it's never necessary, but it, it just means so much when people take the time to just show respect and, and just show appreciation for other people people's work rather than just step on it so you know th thanks to both of those awesome devs for devs for absolutely everything that they do i do have a question though i just ran update all on my mister and i couldn't see a different turtles core so i'm sure i'm just doing something stupid or maybe my update all is broken because i use my dev mister for everything so i could have very easily broken the update all script or something on my personal one so am i supposed to look for something special please let me know in the comments if you have time to also hotego said he's getting back to working on the neo geo pocket core and let people know that a small bug in the cpu instruction was fixed also, Wizzo has updated his favorite scripts uh, with support for a bunch more consoles and a few other things. I can't possibly gush enough about the favorite script. Um, you gotta, you please go back and listen to that interview with Wizzo and I. Consider supporting him on Patreon and definitely load up favorites and remote. Those two things are just, they have completely changed the way I use Mr. That's a strange thing to say because, you know, the those amazing cores that those devs have all been working on forever. The, I mean, there would be no Mr. without it, but the interface, the UI, how, you know, how you remotely access stuff, everything's different with Wizzo Script. So please look into those. And they're all free. <laughs> uh, the next Mr. FPGA Discord ch game challenge is the arcade version of Capcom's Magic Sword. It's a single credit game challenge that goes to August 25th. There's been a bunch more updates on the N64 core. Um, Robert had shown Mario Kart looking almost like a working game, which is just so impressive. So thanks again to Robert. Next, SRG320 posted a Saturn Progress update, and the big feature added is save game support. So that's really exciting. I'm looking forward to going back and trying that. 
Um, I haven't tried the Saturn core in a long time. So uh, what's really the status of that now? What do, what do you all think? Because, you know, it's impossible for anybody to test all of the games. So I love hearing people's experience with it and good and bad. If it's bad, be respectful. Of course, it's a, a alpha core still technically, but you know, is Daytona running some of the is like outrun running. Can you do the 60 Hertz patch for that? Uh, you know, are some of the more staple games running now, or is it still something that's um, really meant to be an alpha state and a work in progress? I kind of love to hear what people's experiences are with that and what games work and aren't. Um, also, Amiga Vision posted a document that gives the status of CD32 games on Mr. The document list of the games, uh, Amiga CD32, sorry. The document list of a game works, has gamepad controls, CD audio, or any other status that you should know. So that kind of documentation is always super appreciated. And if anybody doesn't have a place to put it, I'm sure consultmods.org, the wiki, would have would figure out some way to do it. I believe this document seems to be on Reddit at least, which is a not the best place to archive stuff. So I would I would consider putting that on a retro focused thing that was kind of maintained by people in the community. I never like putting my trust in bigger companies like that, which would have who have nothing to lose if they just decided to delete all this stuff and not do that anymore. So you know maybe consider putting that in a safer place, but. Anyway, as always, thanks so much to Lou for doing these. There's absolutely no way I would be able to keep up with all of this without him. So please subscribe to his YouTube channel. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to hang out with Lou over at the Expo this weekend. The Sega Saturn Shiro crew have just put together an interview series that goes through translated interviews with Sega of Japan employees from back in the 90s, talking about the failure of the 32X and the Saturn. Because it's kind of been internet lore forever that Sega of Japan was to blame for a lot of that, and Sega of America was the ones or were the ones trying to do the right thing. And after a lot of these interviews came out, um, you know, after Sega 16 and MD Shock got a lot of those uh, documents out and translated, it kind of doesn't seem like that's the case. And I know we we talked about this before. The Shiro crew had done. I think um, I watched a couple of different videos that I know Pandemonium Reviews as well as the Shiro crew went through talking about this, but this is kind of one of those easy to digest video series. They're about 10 to 15 minutes each. So if you really wanted to take a look at what was happening and kind of hear the other side of the story from that era, this seems like a really awesome way to do so. It's definitely on my to watch list. Um, and it's something that I think I'd be pretty interested to hear about because that's, you know, I think that's interesting for any video, anybody who's interested in video game history. But if you grew up around this, it's kind of like taking a peek behind the curtain and seeing the wizard type of stuff. So if uh, and if you grew up with that, you probably get the reference. If you're younger, you probably don't even know what that is. And, and that's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to watching this. And I'm always so appreciative of, of the whole crew. The Shiro crew is awesome. All their friends have been been great. And uh, it's it's so cool to see this out there. So thanks to the Shiro crew. Thanks to Sega 16 and MD shock. And I'll definitely be watching these. Well, that's it for this week with the expo coming up this weekend. I'm not sure if I'll be able to keep up with a lot of posts. I know I had a lot of stuff that I'm working on a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk to you all about. That wasn't necessarily time sensitive. So I didn't feel the need to rush through it. Uh, but I just, I don't know if this is going to be the week that I get to get caught up with that. I'll probably get even more behind. So if there's only four things to talk about next week, my apologies in advance. Hopefully I could still keep up and 
write some posts from the hotel room or something, but I'm really just pumped. Uh, I'm working on another bigger project. I'm hoping to get out to you all soon. And I'm also really just preparing for the expo and, and really getting psyched up for that. So hopefully I could see you all there. And as usual, thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to people who support in any way possible, because without you, none of this would happen. So thank you all so much. And if I don't see you at the expo, I'll see you next week. <laughs>